Blog Talk Radio. I'll answer the question. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! You've heard about it. You've read about it. You've talked about it. And now you found it. This is Alan Smith's Ask the Trucker Live on Blog Talk Radio, the largest radio social network in the world. With your hosts, Alan and Donna Smith, focusing on driver health, careers, regulations, and the important issues facing the industry. It's time to shut down that big rig, sit back, and come join the conversation. Ask the Trucker Live begins right now. appreciate you tuning in everyone lining up there on the lines listening in we appreciate it i hope you're having a good evening it is still friday february 3rd 2017 and i'm alan smith along with donna smith this is ask the trucker live on blog talk radio really looking forward to this show this evening it's a very important show with a very important topic we're going to be discussing once again trucker wages And we've had a lot of shows regarding truck driver pay with uh, most drivers agreeing that they should be paid for all working time. And it's well known within the industry that drivers work anywhere from 20 to 40 extra hours a week doing tasks other than driving. And much of those hours, as we all know, are waiting at the docks. And it's not uncommon for a trucker to wait several hours or more. Uh, I've done it myself. I've sat at docks for a Uh, 24 hours or more, 24 to 36 hours myself. So some companies will pay drivers after two hours, others not at all. But the sad thing is many drivers have accepted that this is the norm. But the argument that is most disturbing is when a carrier will defend not paying drivers for all time by saying that it's calculated in your cents per mile. So my uh, response to that is really, and and how is that? I would like for them to explain that to me. I mean, perhaps if you look at it as it was calculated decades ago in the 80s, maybe, but the fact that drivers are making the same pay, most drivers, the majority of drivers, as they were back then, tells me that CPM cents per mile is most definitely not compensating for those 30 to 40 hours per week extra work time on top of the driving. So drivers now want to be compensated for their time to make up for the fact that their wages have stayed stagnant while the cost of living has increased significantly. And uh, which brings us to tonight's show and what and why the trucking industry is doing to ensure drivers continue to be paid only their piecework wages and nothing more. And as a matter of fact, the ATA has made it very clear that a top priority that they have this year is to have a bill passed which will use federal law to override federal court rulings and preempt state labor laws, which are there to protect employees. And since November uh, 2015, the ATA and other organizations have been attempting to interpret the intended meaning of the Federal Aviation Administration Authorization Act, the F4A, in an attempt to prevent drivers any possibility of ever being paid for anything other than the miles they drive. 
And uh, the discussion we're going to have tonight is going to include how they have and are continuing to go to Congress to meet these objectives, mainly paying drivers peace, uh, peace work wages and nothing more. So tonight we'll discuss how state labor laws protect employees, uh, how they came about, why federal courts have sided with drivers in court, and how lobbyists, including the ATA, are now trying to alter laws such as the 1994 uh, F4A. Uh, in an attempt to preempt state laws. But most importantly, we're going to talk about what would be the true repercussions and implications if a law is passed to preempt states' rights. And finally, what we all, as drivers, must need, uh, really need to do in order to ensure that a bill like this is never passed. So tonight we're going to hear from someone who knows and understands federal law state law, motor carrier motives, and most importantly, how it all uh, will affect driver wages both, both presently and in the future if such a bill is ever passed. Our guest tonight is attorney Craig Ackerman, and he has been an employment attorney for 19 years. He's represented over 25,000 truck drivers in wage and hour class actions in the states of California and Washington since starting his own firm in 2004. And uh, Donna, I'm going to let him give his name of his firm because I'm not for sure how to mention I don't want to say that last name wrong. I think it's Ackerman Intelligence. <laughs> okay, we'll find out. And, yes. uh, and we'll also give the uh, – well, we have a link to his, uh, to his website on the uh, show, show page there too. Uh, but his firm is currently lead or co-lead counsel in over 65 class actions seeking back pay, detention pay, or rest break pay for truckers. And Mr. Ackerman primarily represents workers in wage and hour class action cases and multi-plaintiff sexual harassment cases. So uh, our guest tonight is a graduate of the University of Texas at Austin, both undergrad and law school, and presently resides in Los Angeles with his wife and three kids. So Acid Trucker Live from Florida is going all the way across California this evening with our special guest. Our broadcast tonight, Trucker Wages, the Devastating Effects if Congress Amends F4A. And it's all coming up live on Ask the Trucker Live. Stay with us. You're listening to Ask the Trucker Live with Alan Smith on Blog Talk Radio. Don't go anywhere. Alan and Donna will be right back. Hey everybody, Alan Smith here. Have you been driving a big rig for a while now and considering starting your own business as an owner-operator? Well, Lone Mountain Truck Leasing offers the best lease purchase plan in the industry. With a small down payment and monthly payments around $1,000 or less, you make the monthly payment and when the final payment is made, they hand over the title. It really is that simple. There is no big balloon payment at the end and secondly, the truck is yours, not a lease plan under one truck and company. So if becoming an owner-operator is your goal, do it the right way. Do it the best way. Contact Lone Mountain Truck Leasing on the web at LoneMountainTruck.com or give them a call toll-free at 866-512-5685. That's LoneMountainTruck.com. This is Ask the Trucker Live with Alan Smith. 
To be a part of the program, call in now at 347-826-9170. Skype users can call in by clicking on the Skype button on our show page. To be a sponsor of the show, email Donna at info at askthetrucker.com. Now, back to the show. All right, welcome back. I was trying to run through the line to... uh at least put a list of the states for the, all our callers uh, or listeners online. I got to uh, Tennessee, New York, South Carolina, Kansas, Oklahoma, Texas, and that's about as far as I got. So, hey, appreciate everybody tuning in. Our special guest is uh, Craig Ackerman. Uh, and, hey, Craig, appreciate you being here this evening. I know your time is limited, so we're going to get rolling. How are you doing this evening? I'm doing great. Thanks so much, Alan. I really appreciate you having me on. It's a real honor to be here and uh, really admire the work that you and Donna are doing in publicizing uh, a lot of these issues relating to trucker rights. So thank you for having me on. Oh, glad to have it. You know, and uh, Donna was searching the web just before the show. She was trying to look for any anything for Trucker's News, and she goes, man, there's not much going on. I, I can't find anything about Trucker's News. And I said, well, they need to be right here on Ask the Trucker Live because we've, we've probably got the biggest Trucker News going on right now. So, <laughs> But, hey, listen, there's a – there's a lot to digest here tonight, and you know most drivers, you know, aren't even aware of what's about to, uh, you know, possibly hit them. Much of what they read is usually about how drivers are suing carriers for wages, but but so many drivers out there still don't realize what those extra wages are that they're suing for. So since most drivers don't get paid for their additional waiting time or work time, and it's almost foreign to hear a law case suing for these types of wages, I think. Me personally, I think the most dangerous aspect of what's coming, what could really be coming, is the, is a, uh, the, you know, the federal government interfering with state rights. So with that, I think uh, let's start with the history of, of your two states' labor laws, California and Washington. I mean, their courts and legislatures are requiring companies to pay for detention time and rest breaks. How did that all come about? How, how did that all evolve? Well, you know, that's a great question. Thanks, Alan. So it's interesting. The California Labor Code, uh, like a lot of states, says that workers have to be paid for all time worked. Uh, and that's not limited to truck drivers. That You know, that's all employees. Uh, and what's interesting, in California, uh, it's a little bit more robust than in some other states. Uh, what the Labor Code had said is that if you're if you're promised work, uh, for example, on a piece rate, a per-mile basis, or a per load, some drivers are paid percentage of load, or really any kind of piece weight worker, because agriculture workers, others, are also sometimes paid piece rate. What the labor code has said is that, is that a company cannot secretly pay you less, and moreover, that you are being paid only for the tasks performed. So that led to a series of uh, lawsuits being brought some of them by my firm, some by other firms, going all the way back to 2007. And, of course, the industry and its lawyers who were representing it were saying, you guys are crazy. You know, we've been paying this way forever, and we're in compliance with federal law. And, you know, what makes you think that we would have to pay separately and hourly for when the wheels aren't turning? Uh, and so it kind of remained an open issue. We were, we were fighting it. Some other firms were fighting it. And in 2011... 2012 and 2013, the court, the first court decision started coming out, uh, and it was in favor of the drivers, which was a real shock to the industry. 
And the first one was a case, uh, Cardenas versus McLean Trucking out in California. That was a federal judge. And it was followed shortly thereafter uh, by another case called Blueford versus Safeway involving the Safeway truck drivers. And some of the early cases did involve drivers that were driving mostly within California. And what the courts basically said is, uh, you know, trucking companies, you guys aren't paying anything for a lot of uh, non-productive time. You're not paying for the right. pre-trip inspections, for the post-trip inspections. You're not paying for the detention or waiting time. You're not paying for paperwork time. You're not paying for uh, rest breaks because uh, California has a law that rest breaks have to be paid for. And as you were saying in the introduction, the defense of the trucking companies in those cases, well, hey, it's all built into the, uh, into the mileage rates. Uh, and the courts just didn't buy it. The courts said, no, the mileage rates are, are for driving. Uh, in some of the cases, it said explicitly when they would give the compensation plans to drivers, you know, you're going to get uh, X cents, you know, per mile driven. And the court said, you know, that's basically like a contract where you're, you're getting paid for a certain task and only for that task. Uh, so those decisions came out. It was a real shock. And uh, the industry thought, well, surely some other courts, uh, will disagree with that, but on the contrary, uh, more and more courts started agreeing with that, with the logic of it, and uh, I guess this abuse that had been going on for years in the industry where drivers were basically doing work for free and the industry had shifted the burden of things like delay time onto the driver's backs uh, started getting reversed. Um, then uh, other states started picking up on the same issue and the Washington Supreme Court uh, basically ruled the same way as some of the California courts uh, in a case involving agricultural workers initially, which was then by another federal court extended that to a trucking case. And so up in Washington, at least with respect to uh, rest break time, that now has to be paid separately and hourly. In California, the courts have said that all of the non-driving time has to be paid. Um, uh, at least at minimum wage, which uh, out here is now 10 bucks an hour. Uh, and the court said that you could go back four years on these kind of cases. So, you know, if drivers uh, had been working five, six days a week, uh, and uh, if a lot of their routes were in California, uh, for many people this was ten, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars $20,000 or more that they, that they might be owed. So the legislature then took a look at this out here in Sacramento uh, and uh, uh, Interestingly enough, they basically agreed with all the courts. And we got a new labor code provision out here in California called 226.2 of the labor code. And what that provision said, it codified these court decisions. So it's not just courts that are saying it. The legislature of the state of California now has said that for work performed in this state, if someone's paid on a piece rate, all of the time that they're working, uh, which is not spent generating the piece, in, other, in the case of trucking, that would be all non-driving time, has to be paid for separately and hourly. That is the official law of the state of California. It will not be reversed. It's part, it was passed into law. So uh, that was a, a very big sea change, and I'm sure came as a big shock to, to the industry. But considering you've been following this issue for years, uh, and as you noted in your introduction, a lot of drivers basically get ripped up and uh, ripped off and are paid nothing for that time. Uh, you know, a lot of people felt that it was about time, uh, and so that, that's that's where we are in California. Some the, the issues are now percolating up in other states. As I said, Washington, C 
seems to be following California. There are 16 states that have paid rest break laws, and this issue will, will soon be arising in some of those other states as well, including Oregon, for example. Uh, and a lot of the courts and then perhaps the legislatures in these other states are going to have to look at this issue carefully and analyze whether indeed truckers you know, are getting paid for all the time worked. California has concluded that, that, that they're not and that that needs to change. So that's the current state of the law here on the West Coast. Oh, you're, you're on um, mute there. Donna. Oh, I'm on mute. Okay. <laughs> Hi, Craig. Um, this is Donna. Uh, I just want to mention that it, it's so obvious on uh, social media, on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, that drivers are really saying they should be paid for all their time. And um, as Alan said in his intro, mostly because their wages haven't gone up in like since the 80s. And that argument of it's built in, I mean, just, it, it's ludicrous. So what I'm thinking is, if I'm hearing you right, if the states actually have these laws, they could really uh, play into almost, you know, drivers getting paid for all time, something that they're wanting right now. Um, not, to, you know, their cents per mile plus whatever um, extra work they do. So, I mean, this to me sounds like something that could lead into that. I'm not sure, you think? I, I absolutely do agree with that. Uh, we've actually seen that a lot of companies uh, have been adjusting, and either they started paying hourly and separately in addition to their, uh, to their cents per mile pay, or they changed their entire compensation system uh, to pay hourly, sometimes with overtime, um, uh, in order to comply with these laws. And what we're also seeing is it's having a ripple effect because some of the carriers that are regional or national, they don't want to change their compensation plan only for one state. So they're kind of forced to uh, revisit this, um, you know, for all of their drivers. It's very awkward to have, you know, only the guys on the West Coast or the gals on the West Coast being paid one way and everybody else being paid a different way. So I actually feel that unless uh, these laws are nullified by Congress, uh, that this could be the beginning of really a sea change, uh, not just on the West Coast, but across the country as to how drivers are paid. And um, they should be paid for all-time work, absolutely. There's no question about it in my mind. And the argument that it's built in never made any sense to me. In, in a lot of our cases, I would question the trucking executives who – put the uh, compensation plans together, and I would ask them, you know, if, if, if a driver has a 500-mile route and, you know, driver one working for your company has two hours of detention time and takes, you know, 20 minutes of rest breaks and driver two just drives it straight and, and you know, is able to reach the destination and unload immediately, do they get paid the same? And he said, yes, absolutely, they get paid the same. So I said, well, you know, if that's the case, how is driver two getting paid for the detention time and the rest break time and et cetera? So they have difficulty explaining that. Sometimes I would ask them, you know, what would happen if a driver showed up, did a, did a pre-trip inspection and then got sick and had to go home and couldn't drive his route? You know, would he get paid for that time? Most of the time they would they would be honest and say, no, they don't get paid anything because we only pay once the wheels are turning. 
So you can see from those kind of questions that the position of the industry doesn't make sense. The idea that wages haven't gone up in a long time is, is something I didn't know about until this evening, but that also fits in very well with what I'm saying. Um, the courts just haven't bought the idea that it's built in. The industry hasn't been able to prove it in, in, really in any of the cases that have been brought. And that's just been rejected time and time again now, most recently in the, uh, the Walmart case, which got a lot of national publicity, where, where the judge and then the jury in that case uh, rejected the argument there. So uh, it's, been, it's been rejected. It doesn't make any sense. And really all that's gone on is that all of the burdens of an inefficiency in a delivery, uh, for example, the, the client is not ready for the delivery to be made, et cetera, and therefore the driver has to wait. All those kind of inefficiencies for all these years, they've, they've just shifted the cost of that. The industry has shifted the cost of that onto the shoulders of the truck drivers. Well, you know, that's not right, and the courts are seeing through it, and now the California legislature has seen through it. Um, and just like any other worker, I think truckers ought to be paid for all the time uh, under which they're un during which they're under the control of their employer and performing a duty. And, you know, if you're waiting at the dock, uh, you're not free to go about your own business. So you've got work to do, and therefore it should be compensated time. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I, I just want to make sure I understand this correctly. The, the 1994, the, the Federal Aviation Authorization Administration Act, uh, you know, we call it the F4A. There's a section in there that says uh, state political subdivision of a state or political authority of two or more states may not enact or enforce a law, regulation, or other provision having the force and effect of law related to price, route, or service of any motor carrier. Now, this is my understanding, Craig. This is what the uh, the industry's arguments largely has been. They're saying that uh, uh, as it relates to the mill and rest breaks out there on the West Coast that that allowing these mill and rest breaks, you know, to be paid, that is uh, in direct violation of the F4A. That they're, say they're trying to say that this is affecting price and route and that. But, I, I mean, is that is that their main argument? What's what are the other efforts and arguments to fight these state labor cases in the courts? Or is that their main argument, or there's, uh, I'm sure there's other things, too? Yeah, well, that, that, ha that was a really, really big argument that the industry was making. Uh, and uh, the lower courts uh, in the early days were kind of split on that issue. Some of them said the industry's right. A, a couple of them said uh, the truck drivers are right. There's no, there's no preemption. If you look at that carefully, though, Alan, it says at the end there, it's basically saying that states are prevented from enforcing any law that, that relates to motor carriers, price, routes, or services. So the thing is, though, these, these laws that we're dealing with, they're, they're not specific to the transportation industry. And the intent of that 1994 law, which was part of deregulation, first there was airline deregulation, and then there was deregulation of trucking. The intent was that Congress did not want states to target either the airline or the uh, trucking industry with specific onerous regulations that, 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 uh, because they wanted there to be a consistent set of rules for companies that deal, that, that deal with and work in multiple states. 
But what the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals ruled and really put an end to this argument for the industry, and, and just so people understand who are listening, you know, every, every state has both state and federal courts. So the state of California has state courts, and there's also courts of the United States government all around the country that sit in each state. The Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals is the appeal court for the whole West Coast for uh, the federal courts, and that's only one below the U United States Supreme Court. So uh, for purposes of the, sta the states on the West Coast, the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals is sort of the highest court right below the United States Supreme Court for federal courts, and then for the state courts, the California Supreme Court would be the, higher, the highest court. Well, both the California Supreme Court and the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals looked at that argument of the trucking industry, and the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals said this is actually an easy, easy, easy case for us because these laws that require separate and hourly pay for nonproductive time are not laws that target the trucking industry. These are laws of general applicability to all employers in the state of California. Anybody who wants to send workers into the state of California or to have workers in the state of California needs to comply with them. And um, so they didn't even need to really get to the issue of is it significantly impacting prices, routes, or services, which is what the industry was saying. They were saying that it was a significant impact. Yeah, uh, they didn't even need to get to that, really, because they just said this, this is an easy question for us. These laws are general laws of, of general applicability, and therefore they never targeted, they never targeted the motor carrier industry, and that law does, does not apply to nullify the California meal and rest break laws or any state law uh, that, that would be a law of general applicability. They also held in there that, uh, that, that it would not significantly impact prices, routes, and services. Of, of motor carriers, and they gave a lot of reasons why why that's the case. Um, you know, one of the things they discussed in the opinion is that uh, there's already certain DOT rules that require, for example, a 30-minute lunch by the eighth hour of a shift, uh, and and the, the laws relating to the timing of meal breaks in, in the states really aren't that different. In California, it's just, you know, by the fifth hour, 30 minutes, duty-free. Uh, and, and, and they felt that although there might have to be some re rearranging of scheduling, it, it, it wouldn't significantly impact the prices, routes, and services. Uh, you know, I, we actually hired an expert in one of our cases where this was being addressed, and he pointed out, you would probably know more about this than I would, but he pointed out that the actual total amount of time under DOT that drivers um, were allowed to drive in a day I think it, it was at one point it was 10 hours. At one point it was 11 out of the 14. Right. And he said, uh, he said, you know, you should ask the trucking companies when it shifted from 10 to 11, did that affect their prices, routes, and services? Well, we did that in a couple right. of cases, and without them knowing where we were going with that question. <laughs> and the answers we got back was no, there really wasn't any 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 changing in our pricing or in our routes or services when that rule changed. Well, our, our expert pointed out. Well, if there was one hour less of driving time when that rule changed, uh, you know, it's kind of hard to argue that rearranging some of the meal or rest breaks would have a significant impact if, if that change in the DOT rules didn't have a significant impact. So the bottom line is, you know, they lost that argument and they lost it big time. Uh, the, the industry lost it. They lost it at the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals in 2014. They tried to appeal it to the United States Supreme Court. The United States Supreme Court refused to hear the case which left in place 
the binding precedent of, of the Diltz versus Penske trucking decision. That was the Ninth Circuit decision. And the, um, the California Supreme Court decided exactly the same as the Ninth Circuit, that the F4A uh, does not nullify laws of general applicability to employees in California, uh, including the meal and rest break laws uh, and any of the other minimum wage kind of laws that we're talking about. That was in a case called Pack Anchor. Uh, and then there was another case, uh, it was Godfrey versus City of Oakland Ports, where uh, truckers were awarded close to a million dollars in back pay on labor claims. And that went up to the California Court of Appeals and uh, the California Supreme Court as well. And actually, the industry tried to take that case on appeal up to the United States Supreme Court, too. And the United States Supreme Court refused to hear the preemption issue again in that case. So twice, the United States Supreme Court has refused to overturn court rulings coming out of California, basically saying that trucking companies have to comply with these uh, labor code provisions in the different states, including paying separately and hourly in California for detention time, inspection time, and for rest breaks. Um, and uh, now this, there might be other parts of the country where this issue could come up, Alan, and, and uh, the way the United States Supreme Court works is sometimes they don't take a case and, until there's a split uh, uh, between the federal courts of appeal. So far, the Ninth Circuit's really the only one that's addressed this directly and sided with the trucking with the truckers and not with the industry. Uh, and that's why, having lost this issue, not just once, not just twice, but three times in the appellate courts in California, both the state and the Ninth Circuit, federal appellate court, and the California Supreme Court, it's kind of like sour grapes. Uh, right. The industry is now – they're now going to Congress, and they got a couple of uh, – there's one particular congressman, uh, Jim Denham from Northern California, yeah. who keeps on raising yeah. this issue mm -hmm. in the House of Representatives. But, you know, when they go there, they're, they're, they're not really being uh, transparent about the fact that they already tried to make all these arguments in court and lost. You know, so right. I, I, uh, I don't know about you, but one of the things that rubs me the wrong way – is trying to retroactively change uh, uh, a law after the whole thing's already been litigated and decided all the way up and down the courts, and now you want to go and try to change the rules after, after you lost, uh, and in doing so, overturning uh, the, uh, the, uh, the legislation that's been passed in California, overturning court decisions, that were looked at extensively over many, many years. To me, uh, it, it, and, and, and as they're doing it, they're trying to couch it as, hey, all we're trying to do is to protect the rights of drivers to decide when they want to break or not. But, you know, what they're not telling people is, hey, as a result of all these court rulings, drivers are going to have to be paid separately and hourly for detention time, inspection time, waiting time, rest break time, not just going forward, but for the last four years as well, if they haven't gotten their back pay. And, and that means the industry owes drivers millions and millions of dollars, okay? And what they're not telling people is, hey, if this, if this retroactive preemption passes, we get a complete pass on all that, and we can bypass all the losses in the courts and everything California legislature is saying and the Washington Supreme Court is saying, and we can just nullify all that out and continue with a system where all we have to pay is the federal minimum wage which is, I think, seven twenty-five an hour, and and that's that's basically their agenda right now. 
All right. Well, that, that's one I wanted to touch on a little bit, and then um, I'll try to grab a few callers here. But, I mean, it's just like you said. I mean, the industry, I mean, they've got to they've be getting tired of losing these court cases. And so, like you said, they've gone to Congress and they're trying to do all this. But And, and you mentioned the Denim Amendment. I mean, that's the first time they tried. Uh, they tried to slip that into the FAST Act transportation bill. It failed. Second attempt was in the Federal Aviation Administration uh, Reauthorization Act just 2016, and it failed. And I was going to ask you, I mean, because I'm hoping the drivers understand, uh, the ones that wasn't all, you know, unclear about all this, that really how how devastating this, this could be. I mean, and I was going to ask you to, you know, further explain the implications of something if a, a bill like this would be passed. And, and basically, I think, Donna, he just did. I mean, the, the implications, you know, we were talking about this before the show, it would be, it would set, wouldn't it, Craig? It would just basically, basically to put it, to sum it up simply, is drivers would never be paid anything more than just the piece work wages if this would be happening. I mean, it's, I mean, elaborate on that a little bit more. I mean, who, who really is behind this all, behind all of this, and what, what is it that they ultimately want to do? Um, well, the, the the main proponents right now of the. Uh, passing the retroactive nullification uh, uh, of these state laws is the American Trucking Association, the ATA number one, and the Western States uh, Trucking Association, uh, and, you know, they're lobbyists. Um, and they've, the, the, the head of the Western States Trucking Association uh, just put out a quote recently, I think it was just the other day, an article I was reading, where he said it's actually their number one priority, the, the head of their government right. affairs. Right. Yeah, we yeah, read that so, too. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. So, so this is a big deal for them, and it, it, it's a big deal, I think, for two reasons. One, which is a lot bigger than the other. Uh, the first reason is, you know, they want to wipe out all the liability that they owe for back pay to all the drivers for the last four years. Uh, so that that's part of it, and they, they don't want they don't want to pay uh, the money that they owe drivers for you know, under the new California law and under the Washington law. That's, that's part of it. But I think the bigger part is they want to they wanna foreclose the possibility that in the future, going forward, that they'll have to pay for this or that they would be forced to pay for detention time, inspection time, respirates, et cetera. Now, of course, any company could voluntarily decide to do that on their own if this retro preemption passes. But most wouldn't do that, and and right. if the retro preemption passes, the F4A is expanded so that uh, Congress clarifies or makes it clear that uh, the trucking industry doesn't have to pay separately and hourly for anything. Um, in effect, that will mean, as you said, that uh, legally no trucking company will ever have to pay for detention time, inspection time, or any of the non-driving time or tasks right. ever, and they can continue with the, uh, the, it, it would institutionalize and make permanent the right of trucking companies to pay only on a, on a piece rate, cents per mile, and for nothing else. And it would lock that in uh, legally. So It would, uh, it would almost set a precedent for them, right? I mean, exactly. Oh, absolutely. It would, it, it, would be a permanent, it would be a permanent bar on any state passing a law saying that detention time or rest breaks or any of the other stuff I mentioned has to be paid separately. They could always rely on that in perpetuity 
to, uh, to, to, to keep their current compensation systems in place. So, well, by the way, know, I, I, I just found out yesterday, Alan, this is, this is something um, that I wanted to mention also, that there, there are forces within the industry that are actually trying to uh, further expand the attempts that have been made in the past uh, on the F4A retro preemption to include not just the meal and rest breaks and the detention, you know, piece rate kind of claims for back pay. They, they're also now talking about preempting any state rule that on misclassification uh, in terms of owner operators or, um, in, uh, you know, 1099 contractors, uh, as well as reimbursement for gas mileage laws. So uh, oh, wow. they, they want to make it even more broad. They, they want to make it so that no state could pass a law making it illegal for a, for a trucking company to misclassify a driver as, as a contractor when, in fact, you know, they're an employee. And that's something that California has passed as well. And other states have passed. I believe Massachusetts has passed a similar law. Uh, a lot of states... Um, have caught on to the game, uh, not just of the trucking industry, but of some other industries as well, uh, of, uh, you know, the abuse of treating somebody as an independent contractor, even though they may not be permitted to work for any other company, even though they may drive only for this particular company. And, you know, there's all kinds of abuses that arise there, but a lot of states have caught on to that because there's no federal or state taxes being paid. There's no payroll, Social Security, Medicare, FICA. And, um, you know, you can't just decide that someone is a contractor when, in fact, they're under the control of the trucking company. They wear their uniform, drive their truck. Uh, in many instances, you know, rely solely on their customers and their financial situation. And a lot of states are cracking down on that. Well, um, the trucking, the ATA and the Western States Trucking Association and some of the other lawyers for both, um, uh, particularly the lawyers, have informed me recently that they actually are seeking more aggressive retro preemption that would include nullification of the laws uh, prohibiting misclassification um, and uh, requiring reimbursement for out-of-pocket gas expenses of uh, uh, truckers who are independent contractors uh, uh, or owner operators. So, uh, you know, this would hit both company drivers and owner operators. Then, yeah, yeah, it re that that's true. It, it could very well hit both if they're able to get a a broadened version of the uh, of the retro preemption. Now, we 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 don't know yet where the president stands on this entirely. Uh, and I know a lot of my clients, a lot of a lot of truckers around the country, uh, voted for President Trump. And I, you know, I don't want to get into politics. We don't know 100% where he stands, but we do know that the American Trucking Association and the Western States Trucking Association think they have a much much better chance of getting this through both the House and the Senate, and of the president signing it. Uh, but we're not. It's not 100% clear yet, because keep in mind, this is this is federal government nullifying. State laws. I mean, that is that is not a traditional Republican position. You know, normally right. it's all about states' rights, etc. And right. not only that, but the president did campaign on sort of being the blue-collar billionaire, bringing jobs back to the country. I understand he met recently with union leaders, and a lot of the uh, the Reagan Democrats and the the Blue Dog Democrats voted for him. And I know a lot of truckers voted for him. Um, and so, you know, 
who knows what his views are on this. He has said he wants to deregulate a lot of industries. I'm just hoping that uh, he recognizes that this is a state's rights issue and it's a worker's rights issue. It's a fair pay issue and that he sees through the industry's attempt here, uh, which is really they're just trying to line their own pockets a little bit more, boost their profits, not have to pay retro pay, back pay to drivers, and to preclude attempts to really get fair pay for fair for all of the work that's involved. That's the way I see it. And who knows? You know, maybe maybe, maybe President Trump will will view it that way. We really don't we really don't know. But what what I can tell you is that the industry is extremely optimistic, and they're going to be pushing for votes on this in 2017. It's probably going to come up first with the FUD, uh, the Transportation, Housing, Urban Development funding bill which I believe is going to come up for a vote perhaps as early as March. Uh, it was supposed to come up for a vote in December. It got kicked to March. Sometimes what Congress does is they just continue the existing funding mechanisms if they don't think that they are ready to vote on a new omnibus bill. Uh, and this would be considered an omnibus funding bill for transportation and housing and urban development. It could come up as early as March. It may be as late as June when it gets voted on. But my understanding is that's, that's going to be the first uh, vote. Uh, the House version of the bill does have the retro preemption language in it. The Senate version of the bill doesn't. When there's two versions of the bill uh, that get passed, it then goes to what's called reconciliation, where you know you get a committee of 10 or 15 uh, senators and uh, House members, and they got to hammer out the details. And if in that reconciliation, the retro preemption portion gets into that final bill, they don't have to vote on it again. It just gets reconciled, and then it goes to the president. Well, you know, if it's a big bill and, and it's a big uh, funding bill and these agencies need to be funded, and, you know, Ben Carson now is in charge of uh, urban development, and President Trump has said he wants to do a big infrastructure spending bill, maybe that will be part of this. If, if it just gets thrown in there in the footnotes, right. which maybe the industry has that in mind, Oh, you know, yeah. then even if the president feels like he doesn't want to trample on states' rights, they might be able to get it through, you know, and that's, well, that's well, a great... Yeah. Well, uh, that's just like the, the Denim Amendment. Right. They they never got it in the FAST Act. So I think what the, the, um, the truckers need to do is to notify their representatives and tell them, we don't want this, even, you know, as any part of it. Um, if I remember correctly, in both the um, F4A reauthorization of last year and the Denim Amendment in 2015 when they tried to slip it in, I, I'm pretty sure it was the Democrats that fought hard and heavy, you know, to make sure it didn't get in there. Um, and now, of course, there was, you know, quite a few Republicans that weren't for it either. But like you mentioned, uh, Jeff Denham over in California um, he is the one that initially, um, you know, proposed that. And I, I remember reading um, Peter DeFazio in Oregon and Barbara Boxer in California. I mean, they just went nuts. Like, how can you not want to pay people for working? I mean, it was like they just couldn't yeah. believe it. Yeah. Well, and, you, you know, you can Oh, go ahead, Craig. Then I'm going to uh, – I know you only have about 15 minutes. I'm going to try to grab a couple callers here, but go ahead. Finish your thoughts. Okay. Oh, I was, I was just going to say that uh, uh, 
uh, Congressman Denham was was recently up for re-election, and he, he's from the Modesto, California area, which is kind of a smaller a smaller part of the state, kind of a, a rural part of California. And um, normally in those kind of races, maybe maybe somebody raises a hundred thousand dollars or whatever for the, for their re-election campaign. Well, I read I read online some reports that he got he got over a million two in uh, contributions for his re-election campaign. And you know wow. I got a pretty good idea. I have a real, I have a pretty good idea where a lot of that money probably came from. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> All right, hey, let's grab uh, before you have to run here. Let's grab. Uh, oh, I had Tennessee there. Let's well, maybe he'll come back. Let's grab. Uh, go over to uh, the great state of Texas. Area code five one two. Welcome to the show. Thanks for holding. Hey, good afternoon, Pat Hockaday here. Hey, Pat, what's I going on? I can go on and on and on. Yeah, I bet. Okay, <laughs> one thing you need to be aware of, Craig, in California, running as an intra intrastate driver, they can drive 12 hours. They've got a 16-hour work shift to work within, and they've got 80 hours in 70 day in seven days to work with. So they've got a lot more hours available to work than me, an interest interstate driver, has when I go to California. Just like you said a minute ago, you know that gives them an advantage over me. They're not addressing that. Uh, just something you might want to be aware of next time you go asking these questions. Um, what drivers? I don't like the way it was explained to me that as an interstate driver coming across state line. California law kicks in once I've been in California for four hours. But that's when I would have to take my first California-required break. How does that fit in? Because I'm an interstate driver, and quite honestly, I don't want to have to deal with each state's labor laws that I travel through. Now, for it to pertain to intrastate drivers, not a problem. Not a problem at all. Right. But, but I don't think you have to take that break. I think they just have to pay you for it, Pat. Is that well, right, Craig? No, well, I don't know if, 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 if as an in, under an interstate load, I loaded in yeah. New York City. I'm delivering to Los Angeles. Yeah. As a company driver, am I required? Will I be required to follow state law? Well, the, it's the, obviously the more than four hours from the border to to Los Angeles. Right. So first of all, Pat, you're five one two. That's Austin, right? Um. Are, yes. Yeah. So, uh, shout out to one of my favorite cities. I lived there for seven years. Still, still remember very fondly Sixth Street, Town Lake, you know, and uh, the Oasis and Barton Creek and everything. So, you know, shout, shout oh, out yeah. to all my and, and and all my exes do live in Texas. Uh, there you, go. <laughs> uh, it, it, you know, you, you raise a good question. You, you do raise a good question. Um, the the there, there's different kinds of interstate drivers, right? So first of all, I think we got to divide this up, divide the answer into three three categories. So first good, of all, because I've got three categories. Yeah, right on. I'm yeah. listening. So for, for, first of all, there's drivers that spend 100 percent of their time within certain states. Right, and some of them are a lot of those guys are paid hourly, but some of them, like line haul drivers, might be paid. You know, drive within one state, they might be paid piece rate. 
so that's number one. And then you got a second category of people. I'd say there's actually four categories. You got a second category where people are based in in one state, like let's say uh, interstate in California. They may have line haul drivers based here, but they they may be going up to Oregon or Washington sometimes. But let's say 75% of their time might be in California. That that's a second category. Then you got a third category of people that do, let's say, the Western 11, and this is probably true in other parts of the country too. So those, I guess, would be considered interstate but regional drivers. And then you got a fourth category, which is people that really drive, you know, the the Continental 48. So are, are you in that? Are you in that fourth category? I'm you Continental drive 48, and um, I'm owner operator, so misclassification is heavy on my mind too. But I'm right. listening. So, so first of all, if you're an owner operator. Uh, and, and, and that's a proper classification right now, none of these laws apply to you at all. You know? So the, the labor code is clear that it only applies to employees. So right, you I'm have, aware of that. Yeah, so, so owner-operators, unless, unless they're misclassified, you know, they wouldn't have to deal with this issue at all. Uh, so that's number one. <laughs> number two, the, the courts have held, and this isn't unique to trucking. This, this is for anything. The courts out, uh, have held in California that once somebody comes into California to perform work, the laws of the state here do apply. Now, that was a case called Sullivan versus Oracle, where that was first decided. And so what that means is, you know, if someone comes uh, from another state here to, uh, to work for a week, then they get daily overtime, you know, as opposed to federal law, which is just weekly overtime. And, you know, I'm actually licensed in Texas and in California and the Texas Labor Code is probably about five pages, and there's, it, it pretty much says just, you know, see federal law, and, you know, that's it. There's not a lot in there. The California Labor Code is, 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 has a lot more provisions, a lot more things in there that are designed to protect workers' rights. So the short answer to your question is yes. Once drivers come into the state, California law would, would apply. Now, the, what California law says is that you've got to provide – an employer has to provide a 10-minute paid rest break for every four hours of work. Donna is correct that, that you're not required to take it. It, it, it. it has to be provided. If somebody wants to voluntarily skip their – I'm talking about company drivers now, not owner-operators. If someone wants to voluntarily skip their meal or rest breaks, you know, they can do that. So you're not, you're not required to take the break, but it does have to be provided. And when now, we I was – yeah. I, I was reading through 226, and what I was reading, and it, it might have been older, older law, it might have been revised, but for for I could have an agreement with my employer that I could skip my rest breaks, but it had to be in writing, and I as the employee had to be able to retract that at any time. Is that well, still that's, the case? That's, or? Meal break. That, that's for an on-duty meal break in California. Okay. Uh, yeah, so there there is a concept where you could have an on-duty meal break agreement, uh, and if that's in writing, then one of the two lunch breaks can be skipped uh, altogether. You know, it, you know, there's no no repercussion whatsoever. But just as a general principle, if a driver decides, you know, I don't want to take my lunch or I don't want to take my rest break, but the company has provided it, there's no violation of the law there. I mean, so nobody's going to get in trouble for that not the driver, not the company, uh, as long as it's provided. The issue we're talking about is, you know, you're in California, you're doing a route, and, and let's say you are in the state more than four hours, and you pull over, you know, to a rest area to stretch your legs or have a smoke, uh, 
or you go to the bathroom or, you know, you pull over to get a cup of coffee because you're tired. And, you know, 10 minutes later, you go back into your truck. So California law would apply at that point, And you would have to be paid, like Donna was saying, you would have to be paid for that 10 minutes in addition to whatever cents per mile you were getting. Right. So, yep. so that's, that's not something that should upset drivers when they come in here. Uh, what it's saying is if you do take the rest break, you, you get paid for it. And by the way, it's not just the rest break. Let's say you finish your destination out here, you drop your product off at Ikea or wherever you're going, and, there's, and, and they tell you, hey, you've got to wait at the dock for an hour. So what, what this 226.2 says is, yeah, you've you got to be paid for that hour in addition to your cents per mile. So once again, and you're lucky I, I if it's only an hour, Craig. It's usually <laughs> four or five hours. <laughs> yeah, we 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 actually have uh, we actually have resolved cases with you know with at least two carriers who had both uh, intrastate drivers as well as non-residents of California who spend you know some of them spend two days a week. I mean, I'll give you an example. One one major national carrier who's out of Tennessee. They send their drivers out to California, but when they're here, they do local routes, Pat. So, like, right. they, it, you know, you, you may come out here. One idea is, okay, you, you only spend four hours that day before you get to the destination. But th- there could also be the next two days where they send you on a couple of California routes. Maybe you got to go L.A. up to Sacramento or whatever it is. What they're so, doing by that is they're, they're eliminating their city drivers because it's cheaper to pay the over-the-road driver. 35 yeah. cents a mile than it is to pay the, the city driver $20 an hour. So they'll That's purposely right. schedule them in where they'll have two days sit time. Oh, hey, while you're here, why don't you shag some loads for me? We'll pay you. That's Boy, right. When you break it down, you're looking at $50 a day to the interstate driver, eight hours for a $20 an hour city driver, $160 a day. So yeah, yeah, they're making lots of money off this practice, and that's exactly why. That's that that's right. Now that's exactly right. So so you know you you just nailed it. So you know we're we're we we have resolved some cases where some non-resident drivers are, are going to be getting back pay uh, for the for the limited amount of routes in, they did in California. Recently, however, there were some decisions that came out just within the last couple of weeks. Uh, U.S. Express was 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 one of them, where a federal judge in California said, "Hey, with interstate drivers, there's too many individualized issues here. If they come from a whole bunch of different states, etc." And the court says the court said in that case recently that they don't believe a class action can go forward under California law because it's going to be too complicated to figure out which you know which drivers are from which state and who was in the state when, etc. So. Uh, you know, the, the industry is having some success uh, winning not on the preemption issue. Alan had asked earlier what are some of their other arguments, but that, that's on the issue of whether the case can be certified as a class action. So as a practical matter, uh, it's, it's, uh, uh, it, it could be the case that the interstate drivers, even though they may have some claims, they might be relatively small for each driver, and there may not be an easy way uh, going forward to get courts to certify those cases as class actions. Um, but of course, you know you're, you're you're hitting on the main issue that the industry is trying to raise. They're trying they're trying to scare drivers into thinking that if if all these states pass all these laws, you know 
all the drivers are going to be confused and they're going to have to comply with all this stuff and it's a big headache and why would you want to have to take your breaks here and there and so they're trying to they're trying to frame their opposition to all of these laws in the guise of hey we just want to make things more convenient for the drivers well let me tell you uh what they're not telling you is that w coupled with that is the fact that you know they're not going to be paying you for that detention time in California when you're out here um and like you said that it's a lot cheaper for them to send some of the OTR guys on the local, you know, routes within the state here and still not comply with the law, right? And and what they're also not telling you is a lot of the intrastate people uh, will will because they want to get the motor carrier exemption from overtime, they'll send their guys out of state once in a blue moon, you know. So you 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 got a lot of companies out here that where you know 80% of the routes are California, but 15, 20% of the time they might send them to Arizona or Nevada. So if the industry is able to say, well. We're just talking about people that drive between states, you know, shouldn't get these rights of California law. In effect, that would gut the law for almost everybody because, you know, the only people who drive 100% of the time within California, you know, for the most part, those are going to be the P&D drivers who are paid hourly, and, 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 and it's going to be a non-issue for the industry. So there's a lot – got to take with a grain of salt whenever, whenever the industry is coming and saying, you know, we're just – we're opposing this for the convenience of the drivers – without mentioning the financial benefits that are going to accrue to the industry by passing it, you know, I take with a grain of salt when they, when they make those kind of comments. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say you're not the only one. I know you just have a few minutes left, uh, but go ahead, Don. What were you going to say? Uh, um, oh, you know, it just slipped my mind. Go ahead, Don. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, first of all, Carrie, I wasn't quite for sure uh, – the the last name on your law firm, so I didn't get it wrong. T tell everybody, the, uh, you know, your law firm out there in California. It's called Ackerman and Tillageff, uh, and we're in Los Angeles. Um, and uh, I'm licensed in Texas and California, uh, and we do we do cases uh, as well in Washington. We work with licensed Washington attorneys on our cases up there. And you know, I really appreciate the opportunity to be on the show. If 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 uh, I'm available for about another 15 minutes if you want to take a few more callers. Oh, are you? Um, okay. And uh, yeah. And your your website is ackermantillageff.com. That's right. Correct? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. If, All right. And if someone just Googles my name, Craig Ackerman, uh, labor lawyer or employment lawyer, Los Angeles, I'll, I'll come up. Okay. They're going to find it. Donna, you remember what you wanted to say or – um, well, I guess I was really just saying that the the seriousness of this, I I, I mean, I, I can't imagine uh, not moving on this, and we could either wait to see which bill it's going to come in, whether it be the THUD bill or another bill, um, but I think they should start calling their um, representatives now. Of course, you can't say, say no to, you know, something that there is no bill to, but... Uh, how, what do you say? Just wait for the bill to come out, and, or, or, or how would you handle that? Was that addressed to me, Donna? Yes. Yeah. So, well, you know, we do have this uh, this HR uh, HR fifty three ninety four, which is the Thud bill, uh, and that's still pending in Congress. And se Section one thirty four of that bill has the retro preemption in it in the House. So I don't know when they're going to vote on that, but I certainly would uh, uh, strongly 
request that all truckers who feel like they want to preserve their rights to be paid for detention time, whether it's in California, Washington, or in the future, perhaps in other states, you know, vocalize their support and call in and say that they are against Section 134 in, H, in the bill H.R. 5394, which is the SUD, um, the, the SUD uh, omnibus uh, spending bill, and, and, and they could just add, uh, and, and I would be against retroactive preemption in any bill uh, that is designed to nullify out the rights of truckers to be paid for detention time, non-driving time, or rest break time in the states. So I think that's the way that they could phrase it. But that, that bill is still pending. It, it just hasn't been slated yet for a vote in 2017. It might be as early as March. Uh, and but it is it's a pending piece of legislation that has this dangerous provision in it. Okay, so you think it is going to be the thud, and that's HR fifty three ninety four. That's right. Yeah, that'll be voted on in two thousand seventeen. Okay, so at least we we can you know we have something because it's hard to call up and and you don't have a bill and um you know you, you just say well if a bill comes it's gonna you know. Uh, hurt driver wages or preempt state rights, you know, vote no. So here we have the SUD 5394, um, which is, you know, substantive. Um, yeah. Go ahead, okay. Alan. Okay. Uh, yeah, let's grab a couple callers. Um, I had Tennessee up, but I'm not for sure if they still want to. What's What's the uh, – if they need to – if they want to call in, they press 1. Oh, yeah, call. everybody who's listening. If you, if, you have a, if you have a question for our guest before he has to take off, just – Press one on your keyboard. Oh, there they go. Okay, they've got it. Uh, <laughs> now it's all lighting up. Sorry. Yeah, now. Okay, let's see. i got to go to uh, Tennessee. Been here a while. Then I'm going to go right back here to the state of Florida, area code 561. But Tennessee, area code 901. Uh, thanks for holding. Go ahead. You're on the air. Yes, good afternoon, folks. Uh, Craig, by the way, real quick, Donna, now I want to tell you, if you need reference, I'm kind of an expert on driver wages. I have driver records all the way back to 1969, where we hmm. were paid by the hour until deregulation. Okay. Also, uh, an- another part of this that alarms me, number of retired teamster, Craig, I've been in this over 50 years, third generation, is uh, they get to messing with these labor bills. What happens to, let's say, workers' comp, unemployment, all those other accessorial-type benefits that we enjoy as state citizens. Is this putting us in, a, like, a federalized workforce or something? Oh, that's a great point. Uh, uh, yeah, I appreciate you calling in. Yeah, I mean, look, this, this particular legislation is just targeting the things that right now they're upset about, but what kind of a precedent does it set for the federal government to just come in and nullify out laws in the states, you're exactly right. What's next? Are they going to nullify unemployment benefits for truck drivers, workers' comp benefits for truck drivers? Are they going to are they going to nullify out the emissions laws for truck drivers? Actually, President Trump probably will nullify that one. But uh, but you know wh- where does it end? And uh, you know uh, wh- why is it that that that, that these particular state laws are getting targeted, but but others are not? That is a, that's a terrific point. I think it sets a horrible precedent. And the worst part about it is it's it's retroactive. I mean, who ever heard of a of a law? It's like you know, imagine imagine if there was a law that they passed at two o'clock in the afternoon, 
uh, and then they came to your house and picked you up and said, hey, you violated this law. You're like, what law? You know, it's the one we just passed. And you're like, well, it wasn't passed when I, when I did that this morning. They're like, well, we don't care. It's retroactive. I mean, that's called ex post facto laws. So normally, ex post facto laws, after the fact laws that are retroactive, you know, the, there's a strong presumption that that's unfair and, and, and wrong. Here, for, because of the financial interests of the industry, they're not only willing to overlook states' rights, but they're willing to overlook this, this retroactivity dimension of it. Uh, now, they're trying to say, well, this is always what the law was meant to say and was always intended, but the courts have said no. The courts have said that's not the case. That, that this law was only intended to nullify out specific state laws targeting the trucking industry, not general labor and employment laws. So, you know, now they're, now they're to, to, to my mind, they're retroactively nullifying state laws. Where does it end? Great point. And uh, by the way, uh, that was a point that was made in some of the legal briefing before the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, uh, which, made, which made their decision-making so easy. Some of the people, some of the uh, attorneys for the for the truckers in the Ninth Circuit briefing in the Diltz v. Bensky case said that by this logic, you know, uh, state speed limit laws or emission laws or state tax laws or state environmental laws, anything could, in theory, impact uh, route, route routes, prices, or services of a motor carrier. What about the minimum wage laws? What about, you know, what about uh, the speed limits? And, and all of those things. Uh, the way stations, all, all those things impact the industry uh, and, and, and in theory could be vulnerable. I think it sets a horrible precedent, so what, point well taken. Yeah, absolutely. And Hey, let's go to uh, right here in Florida. I think this is Desiree, area code 561. Desiree, is that you? Yes, it is. <laughs> hey, thanks for holding. Uh, welcome to the show. How's it going? Go ahead. You there, Desiree? Is she there, Desiree? Oh, we might have lost her. She was in the... Okay, well, she's still showing there, but okay, I'll try again here a little bit. So, okay, Craig, listen, I I know we're winding down here, but let's see what... Okay, so what what is it... What should drivers do? I mean, contacting senators, congressmen... Um, what about the House Transportation Committees and subcommittees? We We have a list of everybody's Twitter... Tag and uh, all hey, like that. Hey, Donna Desiree just. Oh, okay. I think she just popped up. Let's try to get her okay. in here real quick. Okay, Desiree, you there? Okay, she keeps. Uh, let me go down here. Hold well, on. Donna, Let's, just uh, just to answer what you were saying, I, yeah, I think ahead. tweeting or contacting the transportation committee members is is a fantastic idea just to express. Uh, the views of drivers that they do think they should be paid for detention time. They don't want these state laws nullified. And, you know, as we know, our president now is a very active user of social media. Uh, right. I, I, I don't, I'm not a big Twitter user or whatever, but if there are ways to get tweets in front of President Trump's account saying, you know, hey, I voted for you uh, and uh, I want to make America great too, et cetera, but I, I, you know, I'm a trucker, and I really don't want any poison pill in any bill that's going to nullify out uh, laws that are requiring pay for detention time or inspection time or rest breaks. You know, that could make a big impact too, because, uh, I like I so. said, I, 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 I don't think this is a right-left issue necessarily. 
Uh, in fact, the Teamsters put out a statement in an article I read uh, yesterday or today where they basically said that, you know, this shouldn't be a Republican-Democrat issue at all uh, because you got the uh, – uh, this, this is what I heard from Sam. I guess it's Loesch, the union transportation policy advisor. He told Trucks.com uh, in the last couple of days, the Teamsters believe Congress will continue to reject this misguided legislation as they have time and time again. This issue cuts across party lines. It's been opposed by both Democrats and Republicans, as well as others in the trucking industry, state agencies, safety groups, and more. So he's basically saying, look, there's a lot of Republicans that believe in states' rights, and you know, you can't have it both ways. If you want the states to decide the laws, you know, uh, whether you don't want the government interfering with with uh, with state laws. In, in topic one, you can't flip around and say, well, when it comes to the labor laws, you know, the federal government should be in charge and not the states. So it's a pretty, right. it's a pretty mainstream Republican view that the federal government should be limited and that it's the United States of America and the states have the right to make the laws for each of their, for each of their states. Here, because it's, you know, quote unquote, in the, fi- in the, in the financial industry or the trucking industry, you know, some, some Republicans are flipping on that on that general principle, but it, it seems to me that, uh, that, this, that, 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 that this is a states' right issue and, as I said before, a fair pay issue. Yes. Absolutely. All right. Hey, with your last few minutes here, Craig, let's try Desiree again. I want to get in here. Desiree, are you with us now? Yes. Can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. Go ahead. Okay. Sorry. I don't know. I got disconnected. Very quickly, I got the letter of the class action lawsuit about uh, Tammy Jones versus Covenant Transport because I used to work for them. And um, I was reading through it, and I I was going to scan it and put it up for other drivers because I know a lot of Covenant drivers, and I never heard of the case. But there was a lot of confusion. I don't know what you were talking about earlier, even though – you didn't get hired out. Of, is it because you got hired out of, out of California, or anybody that worked for Covenant during those years should be getting that letter and put themselves in or opt out of that class action suit? Because so I was if, not hired out of California. I was hired out of Florida, so I was surprised to see that I got a letter for this. Okay. Were you ever a resident of California? Yes, because I had a knee injury and had to go to California, and I moved my CDL while I was there. That's the right. only so, way that so, I could figure that happened. So, first of all, nice to meet you. I'm your lawyer. Yes, that was a case that we, that we did do, and uh, just for everybody out there, this was not planned. I have no idea. <laughs> Uh, no, no, so, it's not. So, I, believe me. Yeah, yeah. So, so um, the the class in that case was all current and former California resident truck drivers who were paid on a who were who were paid on a piece rate formula, uh, and who were employed by Covenant from August 2011 until June 2016. And uh, the reason why we we did it the California resident way kind of relates to the earlier comment of Pat, uh, that even though the courts have said that non-residents, et cetera, uh, who come into California are covered by the laws, just on a personal level, I feel that it, that if there's more of a nexus uh, between the individual drivers in California, uh, 
those are the cases where I feel more passionately uh, right now uh, about bringing. So uh, a lot of the a lot of the Covenant drivers did drive the either the 11 or the whole 48, but our particular case was for anyone who was a California resident who was paid on a piece rate, and it covered the uh, the particular days. Which in that particular case, there were about two to three or two to four routes per month that most drivers were doing uh, that were California residents in California. So you got the notice because you were a resident out here, not because you were hired out here, but you must have been a California resident at some time during that time frame, and and, and that's why you got the class notice. Okay. All right. So when I have other drivers asking me, because they want me now to scan the document, because they want to be able to read it, because everybody's like, oh, my God, you know, everybody's like, yay, Covenant's getting sued. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, but then, then the heartbreaking news to say, but but it doesn't apply to you. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> and, not, and like, not, how do I explain in, it to them? In 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 theory, uh, as we were talking about earlier, in theory, non-residents who drive into California would have claims. In practice, it's very hard to get a court to certify that as a class action. Uh, as I was saying recently, the the U.S. Express decision came out where the court said, look. They were trying to get a non-resident class certified, and the court said, you know, we got people who reside in 20 states. Uh, you know, there's going to be all these issues of which law applies when. It's going to be very, very complicated to figure out who is in the state at which times, and uh, and 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 therefore they didn't. The court uh, decided that it, it was not appropriate or suitable to be brought as a as a class action case. In this particular case, because of the California residency way that we defined the class, uh, uh, we felt there was a greater chance that it would be certified by the judge as a class action. Actually, the case was originally brought in California, but uh, Covenant uh, was able to transfer the case to Tennessee. This is something we're seeing recently in some of our cases that uh, trucking companies are putting in forum selection clauses into their employment contracts with drivers, saying that disputes have to be resolved in uh, particular state or federal courts where the company is headquartered, and some of the California courts are enforcing that. Obviously, the industry doesn't like what's coming out of the California courts, so they want to get out of out of here as soon as possible. Well, uh, anyway, we were able to resolve the case with them, and uh, and the judge, very good federal judge in Tennessee, uh, recently approved that approved that settlement for the California resident class. So. You know, all I can say to the, the non-resident drivers of Covenant who did spend time in the state, they do have claims. It's not part of our case. Uh, you know, I'm not planning on, on bringing a subsequent case for that for the reasons that I mentioned. Uh, but all those people would, in fact, have claims for their detention time or rest break time in California. And uh, to the extent anyone's interested in pursuing that, you know, there's probably other lawyers that they could uh, uh, speak with or they could file a claim with the labor commissioner here in California and and they are they are owed some money. It may not be that much, you know. If someone is only working two or three routes a month in California, uh, they they may not have that much uh, actual back wages due. But uh, in theory, they do have claims. And sadly, it's not covered by our case. Okay. So, but they could look for a Tennessee lawyer. That what type of lawyer would they look for in Tennessee to help them? Uh, well, I th- I think they would probably be better off looking for a. Uh, an employment lawyer in California who handles uh, class actions. Oh. Uh, okay. Uh, they 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 could they could look for an employment lawyer in Tennessee, a class action lawyer. 
there's there's a very good employment lawyer named Donna Mikkel, M-I-K-E-L, in Chattanooga. It's one of the better, if not the best, employment lawyer in Tennessee. But a Tennessee lawyer would would uh, have to probably associate with someone in California uh, to bring the case most likely out here in California. Although, who knows? After Because of this foreign selection clause, maybe the case has to be brought out there. So maybe all you need is a is a Tennessee lawyer. So, you know, uh, maybe they should start by contacting a Tennessee employment lawyer. Okay. Okay. There's a, okay. Uh, there's a website, the National Employment Lawyers Association, which is NELA, uh, N-E-L-A, has a website where they have uh, attorneys who represent workers uh, listed there by state. And, uh, uh, you know, you would want to look for someone who has expertise in uh wage and hour cases and in class action cases. All right. Hey, sounds good. Craig, I know you got to go. Um, listen, really appreciate it. It's been a great show. Uh, we're going to stay in touch with you and follow this thing. So I would recommend, hey, anybody have any questions, com. That's his law firm out in California. And, Craig, uh, really appreciate you being on the show tonight. We're going to do this again. Thank you so much. It's been such a privilege and an honor, and uh, I look forward to continuing the conversation on another occasion. We will do it. We'll be in touch. Don, are you around? Where'd you go? I'm, oh, I'm here. I'm oh. here. I'm just. I'm just totally absorbed in it. And I really enjoyed this show and um, the way you explained it all. I'm, I'm sure people are going to have a much better grasp uh, on it. I know Alan did the video, and we've got articles and all kinds of things. But when you actually hear it. Um, presented in such a manner, I think it's really going to um, hit home. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, Craig, have a good evening. Just like I said, we're going to do this again. We'll be in touch. Take care. Have a great weekend, y'all. Bye-bye. All Thank right. you. You too. Uh, if anybody wants to hang on the line, hang with us. Uh, we still got a little time. I think Don and I, we're just going to kind of hang out and talk a little bit more to whatever. Don, I know you have some things to talk about. If Desiree hangs on to it, we'll talk about the upcoming cruise. I am looking forward to that. We'll take a quick break, be right back, and we'll wrap it up here on Ask the Trucker Live. Hang with us. Heads up, truckers. Are you looking for deals on trucks, trailers, parts, or equipment? Or maybe you need to sell something truck-related. Well, there's a great spot on the web where truckers deal with other truckers. No middlemen involved. That's why we call it TruckerToTrucker.com. There's no charge at all for looking. And if you want to place an ad for what you're selling, it's just $19.95. And it runs till it sells. So whether you're buying or selling, it's time to log on and take a look. TruckerToTrucker.com. Check it out. That's TruckerToTrucker.com. Hey everybody, Alan Smith here, and I want to tell you about TruckerLawyers.com. TruckerLawyers.com helps drivers with their legal needs, and they specialize in workers' compensation, trucking accidents, employment law, and other areas. TruckerLawyers.com arms you with important information regarding workers' compensation and your legal rights, and they are also available to help you find assistance for additional legal issues. This includes determining how to get you the best benefits possible for your situation. The website truckerlawyers.com is a resource where you can learn more about your legal rights as a driver. Feel free to continue the social media conversation by liking them on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash truckerlawyers and follow them on Twitter as at truckerlawyers. Call them to talk through your questions at 1-800-736- 
5503. good show Don and listen uh, we still got a little bit of time to kill here and everything but uh, I just want to remind everybody if you um, want to learn more about this uh, talk with uh, our, our guest uh, attorney Craig Ackerman ackermantillageff.com and like I said their link is on the uh, show page uh, been doing this for a long time has been helping a lot of drivers so Donna this is something that looks like uh, I think it is going to uh, maybe spread across the US I mean we talked about California Washington, Oregon, but I think it's going to slowly build up steam and move across the U.S. Craig kind of touched on that a little bit, too. I think he thinks the same thing. Well, there's a lot of states now, uh, you know, catching on, and and drivers themselves want to be, uh, uh, you know, compensated. I mean, you did that post about a month ago, and how many drivers think they should be compensated for all their time, and there was like, I don't know, 200 comments or so, and everybody says they should be compensated because the the wages haven't gone up in so long. So well, it's been going on for so long, and then you know, and then you know, some of them come back and say, well, we have raised the CPM, you know, 50, 55 cents per mile. But then the other flip side to that is, uh, you know, if your if your average mileage are 2,500 miles a week, and say, hey, we'll pay you 50 cents a mile, but then they drop your mileage 1,800 a week, so. Right. There's a, always a, some kind of little catch in there with everything, too. But but anyway, I know you had some things you wanted to go over, so we still got a little bit of time, and I'm kind of chilling here So after a good show. So what do you got going on? Well, <laughs> I got... I, you look so disorganized over there. What's going on tonight? I know. I, I have papers all over. I've always worked look, like look this. Look at your desk and look at my desk. Look I at know. The difference. <laughs> I know. Oh, boy. Well, I wanted to... Um, uh, talk about the, the the cruise coming up next month. Um, well, here, let me turn on uh, Desiree's uh, mic just in case she wants to. Desiree, you're back on, so if you wanted to jump in, but go ahead. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, we're like Alan said. I know he's excited, and the the cruise is uh, Lady Truck Driver Cruise, March 26th through April 1st. And it's hosted by um, realwomenintrucking.org, and Desiree is the president uh, of realwomenintrucking.org, uh, and it is a 501c, and it was uh, formed by female commercial uh, truck drivers, a grassroots uh, type of organization. Um, I've got, you know, some notes here, but what do you want to? Do you want to say something about it? It's going to be here before you know it, Desiree. I mean, it's right around I the corner. Know. It's coming so fast. This year has gone by so fast. But, yeah, we're super excited, and um, we've got six days or six nights that we're going to be out there, and we're going to the Dominican Republic, Nassau in the Bahamas, and then an, an island where the, um, Carnival owns, I guess, Grand Turk. Yeah, and then there's a, I think, Amber K or something. I don't have the itinerary right in front of me. And then there's a couple of days at sea where you can just do whatever you want. So those are the days that we're going to have the workshops scheduled. And they're not mandatory, but for a lot of people, they are something that they really want to be able to learn from. So um, we're excited that you guys are going to be hosting our welcome mixer. 
And I know there's people that are very excited. Alan's coming, and he's going to be giving the Taekwondo uh, basic self-defense for women class. So we're really excited about that. Looking forward to it. Uh, I've got a list of some of the other speakers you've got here, Desiree. You've got Jan Shelley from the EEOC, senior trial attorney, uh, from that new prime case that they won. Yes. And you, you've got Christine Gray, uh, right, personal safety for women behind the wheel. Yep. And, um, Christine is a, a tanker driver, and she's going to give that presentation. And then go on. Yeah, you have the list there. So. And then there's um, Ann Bailey. She had that big um, article. I forgot what. Uh, New York Times, wasn't it? Was it the New York Times about the sweatshops? Yes. And she's um, yeah. so she's pretty well known. She she's going to be actually touching on um, lesbian and T girls who drive big rigs, and I'm sure she's got a few you know stories to to say about that. And then there's like you said the women's self defense. But what were you going to say about Ann Bailey? Well, she's interviewed. I can't remember the number, but a lot of people this year. I think she put the word out right about the time we announced the cruise that she was going to interview. And I think uh-huh. I, I want to. Uh, it's been I think over fifty people she was interviewed. So she's going to share that. She's written a book. It's um, getting edited right now. I don't know if it'll be published by the time of the cruise, but she's going to talk about that. She did a ride along this year too, and she got to see some of the other things that, you know, the detention time, the ELDs, how they impact. So it's always great to have somebody that's a, she's a professor as well, if you don't know that. So somebody that takes, um, goes out there and like lives this life and sees all of the tribulations you go through in the day and is able to write that and express it to, you know, other people outside of trucking that's always really helpful so i'm excited to hear what she has to say um uh yeah jan shelley from the prime case she's actually retired she retired uh, from the eeoc in um october which um which she's going to be giving a workshop uh to not only teach us about our rights as individuals, but it's a great opportunity, like if you're an HR person, to know, is this, is our policy, like, right? Because the thing that we saw in the Prime case was people, uh, people that were on staff as a lawyer and consultants and so-called experts were giving advice that something was reasonable and legal when it was actually illegal and had been illegal for 50 years. So there's obviously a lot of communication that's not getting through. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That you can't do some of this stuff or you're going to lose several million dollars. Um, uh, Some of the others, uh, we have the Queen of the Road Awards. And oh yeah, that, that there's an the article. Finalists. Yeah, with all the finalists, there's an article on um on the real women in trucking. Um look under blog, great article. And um let's see one of your sponsors is actually sponsoring this event also. You've got uh your Ruby sponsor Hallhound. Uh yes. 
and they also sponsored um, two people to, yes. to take to the uh, really? cruise. Oh, yes, cool. yes, they they wow. had a big sponsorship. Matter of fact, we're gonna we're gonna mention all the sponsors. I just wanted to get through the rest of the um, the speakers. You have a driver health and wellness with Lori Baker. That's still going on. Yes. And how about health walk? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and then we have the um, transitioning from company driver to owner operator. Is that still going on? Yes, Shannon Morris is going to do yes. that, and uh, she's going to talk about uh, getting your own authority. She can even help you do it. She knows how to do the paperwork. She's going to explain factoring, and she's her her presentation is um, sponsored by Great Plains. I think you have their. Right and, and, and yeah, they're one really of the pearl nice sponsors. Uh huh. Yeah, and they're they're really nice and and they just adore Shannon and when she and she when she told them about it, they were like yes yes yes. So um, I'm excited to learn what um, Shannon is going to share with us on that topic because I know that she's already helped Allison get her own authority and um, she's you know off and running. <laughs> Really, and plus you have a driver's advocate forum, which is going to be a lot of fun. <laughs> we'll be talking about um, every well, the truck parking, I'm sure, and and the thud, and everything else that you know. Well, I think speed limiters is kind of a done deal now. I don't even think they're going to do speed limiters anymore. But who knows what's going on with ELD? They're supposed to come through in um, uh, December of this year. So um, lots of things to talk about on the advocate forum. You've got CDL training. You've got sexual harassment. You, you, all kinds of stuff that that we're all always yapping about and posting on social media. So um, you also have raffle drawings and giveaways. That's on there. Yes. Mm-hmm. And has a beautiful quilt that she is putting into the raffle. She's donated for the raffle. It's absolutely gorgeous. Wow. And um, she knows the name of she knows there's a there's a name for the kind of quilt it is, and then we have two real women in trucking um, jackets, the new embroidered jackets. One is a, I think one's an extra large and one's a large, or maybe an extra large and a two XL. But I just love mine, and and I want one. Got, <laughs> they're really nice and they're warm. Uh, I don't know how much um, you get to wear it in Florida, but I've been wearing it in Tennessee this week. Um, oh, man. We got a driver coming from Hawaii, Cheryl. Oh, wow. Um, she's a truck driver from Hawaii. She has a trucking lady trucking group um, called uh, Ladies of Hawaii Trucking. She, they do charity stuff. They've been in parades over there. They've got a calendar out of... Um, lady truck drivers there in Hawaii and they um, sell the calendar and some of the proceeds go for Lupus Foundation. She's a lupus survivor. Wow. Oh my goodness. That's amazing. Yeah, so that's, a, that's an autoimmune disease too. And and then, um, well, if you read the Queen of the Road finalist posts and you, and you read about the finalists, we haven't announced the winners. They're going to be formally announced on the cruise. The winners don't have to be present to win. And it was really a, it was really a um, exercise for me as well because 
I wanted there to not be any bias, so I didn't want to put anybody's names or pictures. I wanted people to just read a little bit. And then as I filled it out after the voting was done and we know who the the winners were and everything, and I actually put the pictures with the names and stuff, I felt myself getting biased. Like, yeah. Because now that I knew a little bit more about them and filled out their bio. I was like, oh, I want this one to win. I want this one to win. But yes. it really was a, a good human study just for myself um, of how, you know, your opinions change. But, you know, we got to stay with what, you know, the voting shows, and I can't wait to announce it. But I will say that we have some special guests coming on the cruise, which are, um, do, are we, should we say who's no. Um, I, I don't know. Who are they? That's, that's up to you, Desiree. Do I well, know them? Paul, Paul Hound sponsored. Um, oh, Paul okay. Hound yes, sponsored. I was hoping you would. Okay, so Hall Hound, we love Hall Hound. Um, you know, this is an expensive endeavor, and they sponsored a couple people to be on the cruise, and one of the nominees in the Queen of the Roads Award has um, passed away. And um, oh, no. so Hall Hound sponsored um, the daughter of the. Oh, okay. Oh, all right. All right. I thought you go. meant. Okay. I got scared there for a minute, Desiree. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I thought somebody else yeah, passed away. Oh, my me. goodness. Stay my heart. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, it was really. Um, she's since passed away. And so this is uh, It's going to be something that could have never done and come and um, just it's going to be really great to all, all of us to meet in person and stuff and and um, I'm just super excited I can't wait for it plus you know people that I've met before people that I worked with before um, people that I've never even heard of before coming on the cruise so it's wow. going to be um you know, that it's always neat when there's somebody that's been lurking in the shadows for a few years and they're like, oh, yeah, I know about you, you know, like, you know, yeah, right. when I heard about it, I had to come. So, um, well, I just want to I want I've got my list here of all the sponsors. Um, I just wanted if it's OK to read it out to everybody, yes. because um, they were more than supportive of this event. Um, so yeah, and go and and everyone listening who, and who will hear this broadcast because I'm sure it's going to go pretty far out there on social media. It's uh, go to realwomenintrucking.org or realwomenintrucking.com and look up on the top for the uh, lady first lady truck driver cruise, and then go down and check out the sponsors and visit some of the sites. You know, Anna, she just you just you know you just mentioned Hall Hall Hound HallHound.com. And and uh, visit these sponsors because that, that's a, that's a great thing that they just did. But anyway, go ahead, Donna. Oh yeah, and so. plus there's um, tickets. There's still time to get your ticket, right, Desiree? Yes, the cruise is not sold out. We had a, a deadline because some of us made a two hundred and fifty dollar deposit last year, and we made payments. You can't do that anymore. You have to be able to pay in full. Um, so, but there's room on the ship. And the group was still open as of a couple days ago. But even if you're not in the group, you're, that just means that 
Well, we get a, an amenity for the room, and then we just have to pay. We're going to pay for it. If you end up – the uh, Kristen at Carnival, she just lets me know, hey, we the group closed, but somebody else wants to be part of the lady truck driver cruise, and then I just have to make a note of it so that we have, make sure that you get invited to the events and we know that you're on our, you know, list um, and that we make sure that you have an amenity in your room like the others are getting that, you know. Right. Um, so um, the rates right now have gone up a tad. Last I checked, they were starting at 680 per person for the smallest size room, but the rooms are double occupancy. That means if you're planning on coming by yourself, you have to pay that times two. So it's best to find a roommate um, and um, share the expense if you can. But your food's included and your room. And so if you went on a six-day vacation and had to get a motel and food, that's that's right, very, you know, very reasonable. That, that, that's what I was just going to say. That's really, really cheap. I mean, because all the food, if anybody's ever been on a cruise, oh, they, they know that you <laughs> – they know that you get on the ship and you eat and you weigh 150 pounds, and when you get off the ship, you weigh 250 pounds. So the food is just unbelievable. But keep in mind, you're going to be you're going to be going to the Grand Turks Island, you're going to be going to the Dominican Republic, and you're going to be going to Nassau, Bahamas. So it, it's pretty amazing. But yeah, it's, uh, I'm looking forward well, to. I'm getting pretty excited. What are, what are the sponsors? Oh, we've got some great sponsors. On okay, there. so there's um, the Ruby sponsor is Hall Hound, and uh, like I said, they sponsored two people also to go on the cruise. Sapphire is Truckers Insurance Exchange and truckersunited.org, and Truckers Insurance Exchange had a show uh, a couple of weeks ago um, with Mark Ballard, and he spoke about that alternative insurance uh, for those who um, either don't want to be with Obamacare or they're not going to get a subsidy. So, um, and then truckersunited.org is Pat Hockaday, and he's like um, just a tremendous advocate for the industry in any way you could think of. Um, so he's a Sapphire sponsor. Emerald sponsors, we've got Trucking Social Media and Lone Mountain Truck Leasing. And everybody knows Lone Mountain Truck Leasing, just like the only place you go to lease a truck. And... Um, our Pearl sponsors, or not our, Desiree's Pearl sponsors, are Red Ants Pants, uh, IBI Secured Transport, TruckerToTrucker.com, TCRG Consulting, Dat Trucker's Edge, Great Plains, Eagle Express Lines, and Ackerman and Tilla Jeff Attorneys, and Craig Ackerman was our guest tonight, and he is also... Um, helping to sponsor this cruise, so um, and, and you know we were speaking with uh, with Craig last week, Donna. You know a little conference call we had. Yes. And uh, he, it was just it just wasn't soon enough, but he was going to jump on this cruise. You oh yeah, but yeah. He, 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 but you know he's you know he's an attorney, he's law firm, he's plus busy, he's but, got three kids, and he'd have to really plan yeah, and around. It, it, it just wasn't enough time. But next year, I have a feeling. Yeah, he, he definitely wanted to come. He was very we excited. We already have 
we already have people asking about next year, and we are definitely having one. And I and I really promise, I did not know about the cover when he said this was not planned. It wasn't planned. I got right. a oh, no, letter no. in the mail right before my um, trip. This load I'm on right now, I had 32 stops, and so I just grabbed the mail and I saw. Uh, this paperwork, and when I read the small print, I'm like, okay, this uh, I recognize this name, and and I started getting questions right away. So I was like, I gotta ask him this question because a lot of people yeah. that I used to drive with are wondering now, am I in? Yeah. Am I in? So yeah, yeah. oh, no, that would good. be great to have. You know, we definitely want to even start thinking about next year. We just put the art up this afternoon. If you look on Facebook page, the Real Women in Trucking page, um, we've got our event um, cover. Just came back from the artist, and it's beautiful. The poster. Yeah, it's posted. And it's, we posted it for you. Yeah, it's it, it's a truck. It's beautiful. It's Good. Queen, queen of the road truck coming through the ocean. I love it. I mean, yeah. I, what a that is that is just unbelievable. Really, yeah. I lit the truck right in the ocean. I was like, oh yeah. man. Yeah, we're looking at it yeah. right now. It came out great. <laughs> is that me driving? I thought so. It yeah. looked like you. <laughs> <laughs> but so, yeah, Desiree, man, this event it's it's really shaping up to be amazing. I, I was I, um, it's not that easy to get especially drivers to go on a uh on a really pretty much a week a week trip. So, um I I'm like so impressed that so many are coming. I'm really really excited to see everybody. I I know there was a lot of apprehension with somebody some people that had never taken a cruise before. They didn't know, you know, do I need a passport? No, you don't need a passport. In fact, we did a show on our blog talk radio with the lady um, from Carnival Kristen. So that's on our Women Truckers Network um, if people want to listen to it. It's very informative. She talked about the whole itinerary, all of the extra charges, all of that kind of stuff. But that was one big question. Do I need a passport? And no, you need a copy of your birth certificate and a state ID. But a passport will help you get through customs a little bit faster um, when you return, if you do have one, but I think right now, unless you're going to expedite it, um, and that costs some money and and headaches, you know, it might be too late to try to try to get one. But um, uh, we're going to have a really awesome time, and I think everybody's going to be and be able to get together with some of the people that kind of want to make a game plan coming into 2017, help some women that would like to meet other women drivers and find out about different types of jobs. We have tanker drivers, we have flatbed drivers, drive van, reefer, local drivers. And sometimes, you know, you just kind of want to ask somebody else, like, what's this about? You know, like, tell me, oh, yeah. you know, you know, it, it's really helpful to share that information. Well, sure. you know, I want to ask you. I know you're almost to a cutoff with the brochure. Um, that's going to be. If people want to sponsor, is it too late, or can they still sponsor? They can still sponsor, um, but it's going to be cut off pretty soon because I have to get everything to the printer by uh, March first. 
And, okay. Uh, so we still got a few more weeks. If you want to sponsor and you want to see your logo in the event booklet, um, and we're it's, working and on it's it a pretty, right now. And it's a full-color booklet. Um, what is it like? Mm-hmm. A, it's not an 8 by 11, you told me. What is it like an 8 by it, a 6 by 10? It's a 6 by 9 um, full-color um, booklet, 16 pages. So okay. um, like that art that we put up today, that's the cover. And we are, um, in fact, I'm trying to find a place to park right now so that I can start working on what's going on the next page is to send to uh, the person doing the art for me. And, okay. Um, and, um, you know, we have like a, a an outline of what's going to go on the pages, but obviously that can change. Now you've got like so many different emails like I do. What's the best one for either questions about tickets, you know, or of course tickets you can go right to the website realwomenintrucking.org and hit the first uh, lady truck driver cruise button. But uh, as far as what's the best email for people to get a hold of you? Uh, the best one to get a hold of me is Desiree, D-E-S-I-R-E-E at realwomenintrucking.org. Um, okay. And, you know, I I try to answer um, people. It's, it's kind of hard when I'm driving, but, you know, I'm pretty easy to find. My, my email's public. My phone number's public. If I don't want to talk to you, I'll just call you back when I can. But, um I get, you know, I got took some Facebook messages today about uh, somebody having problems at her work with at her workplace. Um, I try to get to the urgent calls first, and mm-hmm. um, if it's cruise stuff, I can answer somewhat um, general stuff that's not on the website. But Kristen from Carnival is the best person, and that Blog Talk Radio program covers a lot of stuff. So can you post that is. link? Uh, on your uh, to the replay of that show, I listened to part of that show. I think I had to get off early that day, but um, yeah, if you could post that link because it tells you like everything you need to know about this cruise. Yeah, I think that I'll take that and I will pin it to the top of our our Facebook like page um, when I stop tonight. Um, okay. So, it, it, um, so that people can listen to it because it, it sure it helps you you know know whether you get if you're gonna drive down if you got to pay for parking um, uh, things to expect what you should pack and what they don't and, what you can't pack what you can pack um, yes. it, it just covered pretty much everything you could think of coming in from the airport or if you you know if you're driving. Um, it was really very, very informational. So I suggest everybody who is going to go on the cruise that they're booked already or if they're even thinking about it uh, to listen to the replay because it will help you in the future too, I would think, with uh, other cruises that you go on. It was that informational. Yeah, it will. It will. So um, it was a little uh, – it's a little daunting to go on your first cruise. I actually haven't been on one since the 80s. Um, it's wow. been a long time. Well, maybe I, I took my son on a, one of those ones where you pull the sails up barefoot cruise, which was really a whole different type of experience. But, um, 
you know, it, you just really don't have to worry about anything. You don't have to worry about driving. You don't have to worry about nothing. All you need to worry about is relaxing and getting back on the boat at, before they pull the gangway up. <laughs> <laughs> and what meal you're going to eat next. <laughs> and what meal, yeah. Yeah. Oh, and so. I, just to let everybody know, you want to know the thing that really I couldn't get over when, when we went? You can get room service, and, um, I mean, they don't charge you. I mean, it's the same as if you went to the dining hall. I couldn't believe that. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, that is yeah, cool. All- they didn't have that. When, last, when I did it in the 80s, you did have to pay for room service, but things have changed. Yeah, and they all- also it's- have... Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say it's all included. They also have what? They have a lot of theme, uh, different restaurants. Those might not be included, but they have like a kid's camp, Dr. Seuss theme. And so they have like so much activities for kids. They have Las Vegas shows. They have a casino. They have a gym. They have a spa. They have a walking track, the pool. I mean, they the whole ship is like a whole city. It is. It is. It's unbelievable. I get lost. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, we're we're looking forward to it and everything, Desiree. But listen, take care out there. And uh, Donna, anything else? Because we're going to wrap it up here. Or no, not else? if you don't have any more callers. No, no. Just they're just a listening, and I'm hoping they're going to jump on there and uh, join us on this cruise because I'd like to meet them and talk to them. And I, I know it's going to be something that you know they'll they'll just be talking for about for years to come because they really are fun and not just fun. It's going to be very informative. You know, there's real women in trucking organization and find out what it's like out there. I have a lot of questions myself too. So uh, it's, it's it's going to be a great event. I hope I hope people get jump on board here with us. I know, I know. It's going to come really fast, so um, yeah, i got to get things corner. together. Yeah. yeah I know. <laughs> All right, Desiree, anything else? Anything else you need to add? No, just thank you so much. I just really appreciate you guys, everything that you do, and I can't wait to see you on the cruise. It's going to be great to spend this time together and actually be able to relax together for the first time instead of running around like a bunch of crazy people trying to do stuff. It's going to be something. Really it's going to be hard, Desiree. It's going to be hard to relax. It is. It's going to be very. It's no, going to be very tension uh, no, to, to hey, relax. Hey, it's going to be fun. All the food and the things we're going to do. And, and and hey, keep in mind, Desiree. There's nowhere to run because you're on the Atlantic. You know. So. That's right. That's right. All, all right. Hey, take care. Is there anything we can do for you? Give us a shout. Okay. Thank you so much. Have a great evening, you guys. Thank you. All right. You too. Um, wow, you know, I hadn't, uh, is, well, I don't know. I was on her page not too long ago, but boy, her, her sponsors have, uh, jumped up there. He, she's got some really good sponsors. There. Yeah, she's got quite a few, uh, now, and, um, these are all people supporting real women in trucking and professional, uh, women drivers in the industry. And, uh, like I said, you know, it's not too late. I actually, I didn't know she had till March 1st with all the printing stuff, which means that if you do want to sponsor this event, um, you'd probably have to have everything over to her by, you know, mid February, um, just to make sure she can get it all over to the printer for the, um, brochures. But, um, yeah, anybody who who wants to sponsor, just what did she say, Desiree at realwomenintrucking.org. dot org, or mm-hmm. you can even email me. I have an email address with them too, Donna at realwomenintrucking.org. dot org. 
So, um, yeah, it would be great. All right. Well, sounds good. Well, I think my phone's about to die here, but we're winding it down anyway. Hey, I want to give a special thanks again to our guest tonight, Attorney Craig Ackerman of AckermanTillageff.com. And uh, check that out. And drivers, keep your eye on this thing because, like you said, it might possibly be coming in the thud bill. And uh, this is something that um, uh, you want to really keep your eye out on, and we try to defeat this. Contact your senators, congressmen, those in the transportation committee. The number to the U.S. switchboard is 202-224-3121. Let your voices be heard, and we will catch you next time on Ask the Trucker Live. You've been listening to Ask the Trucker Live with Alan Smith. On behalf of Alan and Donna Smith, AskTheTrucker.com, TruckingSocialMedia.com, NorthAmericanTruckingAlerts.com, Blog Talk Radio, and Ask the Trucker Live. I'm J. Michael Collins. Until next time, drive safe and thanks for listening.